You have one unheard message. Hi, I was calling Current, the influencer marketing platform, but I think I just got redirected to a bunch of people listening to a podcast. Well, anyways, I was calling Current because I was told they could help get my brand set up on TikTok Shop and even build out an affiliate program of content creators promoting my brand and even have those content creators go on live streams and promote my product there. Wow, I could really use Current. I also heard that the brands they work with are making millions in sales. I guess I'll just go to their website at current.tech. What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage? Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. You're listening to the Eyes on Isles podcast with Matt O'Leary and Mitch Anderson. Hello and welcome to the Eyes on Isles podcast, episode number 110. What's going on? I am Matt O'Leary with Mitch Anderson. Mitch, how are you doing tonight? More importantly, how are you doing tonight, buddy? Not great, bud. Not too good. Um, fighting off a pretty bad cold over here. Uh, struggling. Fever. Uh, but we're, pow- we're powering through. I... Watched way too much TV and slept way too much today, so I need like some outlet. There just might be some coughing and sneezing. <laughs> it's fine going on. We'll we'll, but, we'll live with it just because you're here. It's great. It's great to have you back, buddy. Yes, I did listen to the post game you did solo. You did a good job. I just wanted to say that. Thank you. And uh, also, I've drank in about or drunk. What is it? Drank. In drank. About? I don't know. I drank matter. about three quarters of a gallon of apple juice today so hopefully i'm flushing this thing nice out. that's the plan that's what you are to need to do get that apple juice in you just pee it out buddy yeah that's that's the move. that's the move for sure um all right let's let's just go through this I, I, my day was fine and whatever i went to um what is it my kids school apparently the teachers are coming over to their house that's to your house yeah, to my house the teachers are going to come and hang out with my kid for a half hour that was news to me i don't i don't know any school that does that <laughs> Never heard of that before. That's a yeah. One. So that's a whole discussion between my wife and I. Like, do we keep the French books out? Do we hide the English books? Do we hide the tablets? What do we do? Do we have to clean? What about the dog? And it's just kind of, you know what? Screw them. They want to come over and see this chaos. Bring them in. Bring them. Let's see it. <laughs> they could judge us they if they to- want. I don't care. They're not going to kick us out of their school anyways. Yeah. What are they going to say? You're unfit to be parent. Like, what's the goal here? It, it, it's to create a better bond between them and the child. Yeah, I don't know. It sounds like hogwash to me, but whatever. You know, if it works and my kid opens up a little bit more and he talks a little bit more at school, he's known as the mute kid, um, then whatever, it all works. So we'll see. Okay. So hopefully that goes well. Yes. I don't know when they're coming. They're going to let us know a week ahead of time. They're just going to show up one day. <laughs> it's whatever. It's fine. Um, okay. So like we do every podcast post number 100, uh, we pick a draft. Well, that the, sorry. I should say that again. We take the draft corresponding to the number of pods. We are over 100. And so we're at number 110. So we're going to take draft 2010 and pick a player and dedicate this podcast to them. And along with that, we're going to have a few questions for you. We being me have a few questions for you, Matt, before our social segment. So do you want to take a guess out of the 2010 Islanders draft class who this podcast is dedicated to? Shout out to Piper for suggesting the idea. I would hope it's Brock Nelson because I think that'd be my best chance. But knowing you, it's not going to be no, Brock. Of course not. I, I'm never going to take someone who's who's played 480 career NHL games. Okay, who do we have? We have Tony DeHart. Tony DeHart. Okay. 
All right. So this Great. podcast is the Tony DeHart edition. Uh, he was drafted by the Islanders in the fifth round. I'm not giving anything away by what I'm telling you right now. I've made sure of that. Nope. He was drafted in the fifth round by the Islanders in 2020, 125th overall. Okay. <sighs> Let's see what you know about him later on in the program. Can't wait to do that, I guess. <laughs> it's not a reflection of your knowledge because I didn't know this either. So it could have easily flipped. It's just I'm the quiz master for this. It just happens to be this way. No, it's just it's just a funny gimmick. At this yeah, point. it's fun to do because it's, it's fun for even you at home because you get the time to research this ahead of time and be like, Matt, come on. He played this position. Uh, and if you didn't and you're not cheating, good on you. You're a better man or woman than I am if you're not cheating. <laughs> Sorry, you're cheating? Unbelievable. I don't do well on these quizzes, so clearly I'm not cheating. <laughs> Fair enough. Though. I'm drinking whiskey. I shouldn't be laughing and whisking at the same time. <laughs> All right, Mitch. So let's get into it. We're going to talk about training camp first. <laughs> There's been two waves of cuts already. So uh, where do you want to start? Uh, so who's left? No, who's gone? Let's talk about some of the players who have left in cuts number two. Did we talk about cut number one? I'm pretty sure we did. Yeah, probably. So, yeah, let's just talk about who left in cut number two or the second round of cut and then who remains and then what our talking points are within those things. Okay. So, probably to me, anyway, the biggest name that got cut or sent down was Otto Koivula. Because mm-hmm. he, I mean, he had a very good camp, but I think at this point we all understood that he was not going to make the team out of camp. No, and like Arthur Staples said, there were just way too many vets playing center uh, that it was just it made it un- untenable for him to get it. Uh, had they not signed Derek Broussard, I think it could have been his position not to lose but to gain. Like they they mm-hmm. may have looked at him more intently than they did this year if they had not signed Derek Broussard. But I'm pretty sure the Islanders by signing Derek Broussard knew this well ahead of time. They knew that this was the path they were going to go down. Not not to say that they they knew that. Otto Koilo was going to surprise him a little bit more at training camp is they knew what his talent was and they knew they needed to foster it a little bit more and they would have needed at least a year of a veteran presence on the blue line or sorry on the blue line down the middle and they did that absolutely and it kind of it kind of sucks because you saw a lot of talent between Otto Koivula but then also I'm going to mention another name here too uh, Mason Jopes just because of the numbers game, both these guys are going to have to start out in Bridgeport. Yeah, so the Bridgeport Sound Tigers looking are <laughs> going to be a strong team, at least talent-wise, on paper. So this game is played on sure. paper. The Sound Tigers look pretty good uh, with Mason Yost, with Otto Koivula down the middle. Uh, not barring anyone else they already have who I may not be noticing, like John Stevens might play center. I don't know. Probably not. Who knows? Um, but that's already two guys right down there, down the middle, that have talent we we saw what Otto Koivula did last year and from the, the the small sample size of Mason Yost this year it looks like he could be a player so and it, that looks good for the Islanders at least going forward because they will have this same competition between the two of them specifically next year for that third line center spot and that's exactly what the Islanders want not only this year but going forward they don't want just competition now for this year they want continual competition and that's what you should be having in your organization no matter where you are no matter who you are no you're right and that's the thing they have Broussard on a one year deal I think I'd be pretty surprised if they doubled down on that because realistically it'd be like a triple down because you had Valtteri Filippo last year Broussard this year and then essentially, you know, the same type of like one year veteran deal to play third line center. It'd almost be like the third time in a row. So I think they would kind of lean towards giving it to one of those two kids. That would make more sense to me. No, absolutely. The only reason they would keep Derek Brassard for another year, or at least try to justify it themselves to keep him another year is if he goes on an absolute tear and scores 20, 25 goals and puts up 40 to 50 points, then you have to say like, ah, that's not a guy we can lose. To be fair, we said that about Robin Leonard and they were going, you know what? Lulz, we're good. Um, so I could see them doing that with, with Broussard because if he does put up those points, they're going to have to pay him. They're going to have to give him two, three years at four $5 million, or they can get a guy like Otto Coivolo who can maybe get them that production, you know, but let's say 30 points at least at 900,000. That's money in the pocket when they got to pay Barzal, Pulak and Taves. Yeah. That's the thing. Like with their contract situation, with more of the RFAs for next year, I don't see how you can justify giving, I don't know, what they give him this year, 1.2 million? It was exactly right? 1.2, yes. So you're thinking probably if they re-sign him again, it's probably going to be 
double that, you would think, at, the, at least $3 million. Yeah, and, and that's if he just does like the bare minimum, right? Yeah. Yeah, I 100% agree. Yeah, you're looking at 2.4 to almost, you know, two and a half, three million dollars $3 And I don't know if I want to do that. No. Again, not not if you have Otto Cuevlo, who you believe can fit that role, maybe not to the same extent now, uh, but at least in the future, because again, this guy's what, 22 years old, Otto Cuevlo, 21? I think he's 21. Uh, let me, I should just bring it up before I speak out of my back end, my beautiful back end. Uh, Otto Koivula is 21 years old. He turns 21 on September 1st. So he's not going to be 22 till next year anyways. You got this guy locked up or at least under team control for years. You got He's got two more years on his deal with a $786,000 cap hit. Pretty good. That's pretty good. Why would you do anything else? I don't know. I think that's the direction they'll go. Or do you have... Um Mason Yopst, uh, info. I do. What would you like Contract. to know? Contract. Contract. He's got two years, 792500 sorry, $792,500, I said that wrong, $792,000, uh, cap it. Okay. So best case scenario, Broussard gives you solid work this year, and then you say, okay, thank you for your service. We're going to now pay our third line center under $800,000, and you pick one of those two. Yeah. Exactly. And that that seems like the, the, the best position for them because then you're saving at least, at the minimum, $400,000. It's, it's not a huge, it's not a drop, layer. it's a small drop in the bucket compared to what you're going to have to shell out for Barzal, Taves, and Pulak. But that's $400,000 you didn't have to pay and, like you said before, at least not another one point two. So you're, you're theoretically saving $1.6 million. That's a lot of money. Yeah, I now it's starting to make sense in that way. But uh, some other names that were sent down, uh, Sebastian Ajo, Kiefer Bellows. So let's stop, stop on, on Kiefer Bellows for a second. Do you think it would have surprised you? So let's go into the past. And if, if future you or future me would have told you six months ago, Kiefer Bellows won't make it past the second round of cuts at Islanders camp in 2019. Maybe not six months ago. Sorry, a year ago. A year from now, right? we were saying Kiefer Bellows should have made the regular roster, right? Remember this training camp last year? If we yes. would have told ourselves then he's not making the second round of cuts in 2019, we would have laughed at ourselves. And here he is not making the second round of cuts. Yeah, um, not necessarily a good look after being the you know, first round pick in 2016. So now it's heading into what? 17, 18, 19, three years without making an NHL appearance. Yep. Absolutely. For a first rounder, that's starting to get to a long time. That's starting to get it for a long time. It's 19th overall, uh, first round. He's nowhere near bust situation whatsoever. And I don't even want to come close to saying that. The idea here is that you think that he would be at least at the top, right? That he would be somewhere around where Oliver Wallstrom is right now, which speaks to Oliver Wallstrom. Um, but you, you would think that he, being Kiefer Bellows, would start making inroads in terms of the depth chart of prospects and the next guys up. I, I doubt he would. I, I didn't think he would come into this, this year's roster and say that he, I'm going to unseat Joshua Sang and I'm going to seat Michael Dal Cole. These guys have just been around way too long. They are better players or they, they, they've shown that they're better players. And you had a really not great year last year. Go and prove yourself. That's fine. But the fact that he's now fallen under a guy who also needed to prove himself in Oliver Wallstrom, who was picked just two year, just a year ago, ugh, that's not a great look. No, it's not. And like you said, I'm not ready to throw in the towel on Kiefer Bellows. I'm just a little surprised for how long it's necessarily taking him. And I hope this year's the year where he, he changes that. Right, like he learned something last year or something changed, and now he's able to, to make good on it. I still don't think that Oliver Wallstrom's taking the... Um, excuse me, getting a roster spot this year. I still think he's going to the AHL. Uh, but he's at least making it plausible for him to be in in the NHL. And he's at, and he's definitely surpassed Kiefer Bellows in the depth chart, which isn't what you want to see when you're first-round picks that are two years apart. You want to see that, that first-round pick, like you said, from two years previous, you know, start making inroads in the NHL and, and at least fighting for a spot. Yes, he's a 19th overall, but Kiefer Bellows was only, uh, sorry, um, Oliver Wallstrom was only 11th overall. We're not talking about a huge difference here. No, not really. You're really not. Um, 
this kind of reminds me of with Oliver Wallstrom, since you mentioned that name. We know that he's you know made it through this round of mm-hmm. cuts. It kind of reminds me of last year with Noah Dobson making it that far right. through the cut process because I didn't think he would make the team. And I don't think um, Oliver Walster makes the team this year, but I just think they want to get a little bit of a longer look at this guy at NHL practices and stuff like that. Absolutely. They want to know what is he? Because we didn't really, we got two pictures of Oliver Walsh last year. We got the Boston Collar picture, Boston Collar, Boston College picture. Let me pronounce that properly. And we got the picture for Bryn Short Sound Tigers. And there were two very different pictures. One was a 0.7 points per game player. The other one put up 19 points in like 30 some, you know, with 36 games or whatever it was. And so around half a point a game. Ugh. Half a point to 0.7. There's a big difference there when you average it out to the length of an AHL season. That's they they want to see. Are we getting are we actually getting the point seven points per game guy? Or are we getting the, the you know the half point or less points per game guy? And I, I, I think they're they're coming to realize that they're getting something closer to the point seven points per game than than not. Yeah, I, I think so. And even if the scoring's not necessarily there one hundred percent, you could see that I don't know, he always seems in the mix. Like even mm-hmm. last night against the Rangers, he was very much in the mix of Dude, that. he had five shots on net last night. Five. That's a lot. Yeah. You don't see many Islanders forwards putting up that many number of That shots. was a sixth of all Islander shots. A sixth was just through Oliver Wallstrom. The Islanders had 30 shots on net that night. Okay, that's pretty good. That's pretty good. No no one had any more. The most was, I th- I think Ryan Pulak had four, and Jordan Eberle, no, uh, Anders Lee had also four. Those yeah. are established NHL veterans at this point who aren't just like the fact that they've been around forever. They're not just part of the furniture. They're uh, accent pieces in your furniture if you want to you know, look at it that way. Like pieces you show people when you when they come into your living room. Like, look at this nice new couch I got. This is called a Ryan Pulak. Or here's my Anders Lee. Look at that 60-inch TV. I made that rhyme on purpose. That was good. I didn't catch it at first. I'm a rapper. Uh, it's uh, fine. Uh, might as well be. <laughs> uh, so does anyone else's name stand out for guys who were sent down? I mean, with all due respect, it's not like any major surprises there, right? No, Kiefer Bellows is the only surprise. And even then, that's a stress to say it was a surprise. He didn't really do anything in camp to um, earn a spot. I know it's put to me that he was more physical this year. And you're like, great, but he's, I don't really care about his physicality. It's great, that, yeah. it's great that he is being physical, but the reason that they drafted him wasn't for his physicality, it's for his scoring. That's why he had yeah, 70 points goals. in the in the, o, the WHL just two years ago. <clears throat> exactly. Um, so I think that kind of leaves us with two more players to talk about. We already talked about Oliver Wallstrom making it through. Yep. Michael Dalcole and Josh Hosang also made it through. So I think it's really coming down to those three for the final spot on the third line. So let's start with... Uh, Michael Dow Cole, who I'll probably say is the front runner. I don't know if I necessarily agree with that take, but I think that's likely where they're going. Do, do you see it that way? I too? absolutely see it that way. I don't want to see it that way, but I definitely <laughs> see it that way. They like Michael Dow Cole. They like what he does. They think they could get more offense out of him this year, which is why they're not really. Anyways, we know he's getting the spot. I, I, it feels at this point we know he's getting the spot. Say what you will about Joshua saying, but he's fighting an uphill battle at this point to get a spot. And we already know that Oliver Wallstrom isn't getting one. They're just, like you said, having an extended look at him because why the hell not? Yeah, I 100% agree with everything you just said. Um, while Joshua saying, I still believe that his offensive ceiling is higher. I don't think he's done enough to show that, okay, like it's worth keeping him around in their eyes over Michael Del Cole. It's Especially after last night. Uh, yeah, last night was not good. Although, did he play two nights in a row? I, I feel like he was back-to-backing it. Uh, and even the, like, the, the one thing that people want to focus on, and I said this in the postgame, I, I, on the podcast anyways, was what people... So for those listening, the the podcast I'm referring to is our patron podcast. It's available for everyone. So if you want to get it, go and download it today. Take a listen. If you like it, yes, it's just me, but it'll be me and Matt during the regular season. Uh, and you'll get these for every New York Islanders game, all 82 and all other 16 playoff games that they'll win. They're sweeping everyone to the Stanley Cup, baby. Hope so. <laughs> um, you'll get all of those games for five bucks a month. 
Anyways, in that podcast, what I said was that on that power play that everyone is focusing on, he was double teamed. There wasn't really a good opportunity for him to move the puck necessarily. Now, that doesn't talk about the third period where he made a, a number of, of, of miscues and held on to the puck way too long. At 5-on-5, five five, Joshua Sang wasn't great. On the power play, he was fine. He was just getting double teamed a lot. Um, but still, he did not stand out. He did not make the case for himself. Um, and his comments today really didn't help the case either, I feel. Yeah, I think those comments were a little bit overblown, but it's... I don't know. Like you said earlier, it's an uphill battle for him and he would have had to do something really outstanding to stand out and say, OK, yeah, he's going to make the team. And I don't think he's done that. Now, if, if you hadn't noticed or hadn't read it or seen it or seen Matt's piece about it, um, the comments today from Joshua saying were essentially I don't I not care. It's I don't do defense. It's not that I don't want to do defense. I under, I appreciate the value of defense. It's just that's not my skill set. And I, I don't focus on that necessarily. I don't think he's wrong in saying that no. because it's almost like saying he's like he says he doesn't think about it before he goes to sleep. Like that kind of player is going to think like, man, there was this chance in the offensive zone that I could have did this differently. If you want to change the sport to like baseball to make that comparison, like a slugger is not going to go home and be like, I can't believe I dropped that pop up. But they're going to be like, I can't believe I missed hitting that, you know, two zero fastball out of the park. I think that the why this doesn't um reflect well on him is that he's in a system and in an environment where that defense is center stage where that is being drilled into you day in day out so if you want to take the idea of like I assume you're talking about a center fielder or or, or, or any sort of outfielder in, in baseball not catching that fly ball even though he's just you know he's slugging at I don't know what it's what's a good percentage I'm really new to baseball um he's still if that is being taught to you from from your coaching, you need to catch those. This is how we build. This is how we win. This is how we're going to move forward. And you say like, honestly, I don't I don't necessarily care. I appreciate that you care. I don't necessarily care. That's not going to look well because the coach is going to go, all right, well, screw you then. Sit out. I'm going to get a guy who does care. That's, I think, what the problem is. Not I think. That's what I feel okay. the problem is with those comments. And that could be exactly how the Islanders read into it. And that's why it's kind of... Risky for him to say that. I guess. Absolutely, I one hundred percent appreciate his candor, though, because he's not wrong. Like, look, like you, like you mentioned, like Mike Bossy, Al Arbor was straight up with Mike Bossy. Said, "I didn't bring you in here to to play defense," which is true. Joshua saying is not Mike Bossy, though. No, 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 he's not. And I think the point that I've tried to make on Joshua saying, you know, all throughout this process was that not all twelve of your forwards have to be like. Defensive mind. No. If you put him with the line that he was with last night, Brock Nelson and Josh Bailey are both pretty good defensive minded. You could afford to have one guy who is a liability. I'm using air quotes there. <laughs> but even that, I think he's gotten even a little bit better. He had a play last night where he picked up uh, Scott Mayfield in the defensive zone. Yeah, and let, let's be honest here. Yes, Josh was saying gave up the puck a bunch and he wasn't great, but he wasn't the only one to give up the puck a bunch. Uh, he wasn't. Did I say that properly? Did I slur my... He wasn't the only... Yeah, no, you said it. Okay, right. good. It sounded like I said it buck a bunch or something stupid. Anyways, um, he wasn't the only one to give up the puck away. He wasn't the only one to, to be a little sloppy. Josh was saying wasn't great. Or, sorry, Josh Bailey was not great. But it was Josh Bailey's first game. Most of the Islanders were out there looking tired. He was not the only one. So to focus on him, I don't, I don't think it's necessarily fair either. But that's what he's fighting against. He's fighting against the tidal wave of narrative at this point. And if he can't change the narrative on his own, it's not going to change. And that's the problem that, that Josh Sosang is having right now. Right. So I think we're both kind of in agreement that Michael Dalcole is going to get this last slot. Right? Oh, yeah. I, it would just suck to see Josh Sosang waved. Because I feel like someone might claim him. And it would suck to be like, thanks for those five years. See you later. And then lights it up for another team. That would suck. I think Ottawa would 100% claim him, I think. And and I, I really, if they're really looking at that, they have to contemplate a trade. They have to. I would think so because, I mean, listen, you, I can't see a team who is like on the cap floor who just is like, maybe we could take a flyer on this guy. How could you not take a flyer on this guy? The first round pick, flashed offensive talent in years past and... He's just going to, every single NHL team is going to say, 
you know what? Now nah, we're good. He's not right for us. He doesn't flow <laughs> or exude the culture that we look to have. Come on, man. Like at a certain point, there's got to be a certain culture out there that says we pride ourselves on our offensive game. Yes, we can play defense, but we can also we 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 pride ourselves on on scoring goals. Where, where's Doug Wake gonna land? Where's Doug Wake gonna go? Because like that that seems like the, the perfect guy for him. As long as he can get a guy sure. that could tell Doug Wake how to play defense, Joshua Zane could flourish. I just think, is it wrong for me or weird for me to think like? I always wanted to see what this guy could do with a full 82 game, you know, sample size. He hasn't had anything more than 20, right? Yeah, no, nothing more than like 20 some odd games. No, you're not the only person. And, and I think that's a fair thing to ask is, can Joshua Sang get a fair look? Because if he if he's not going to get a fair look, you're not going to get the best Joshua Sang, which is unfortunate because that's not how the NHL operates. Prove to me you deserve it. And then I'll give it to you rather than like, let me see what you can do when I give it to you. And then we'll go from there. No one operates that way, unfortunately for him. That is definitely true. So let's move on to our next topic, Mitch. We're going to talk a little bit about a Metro preview. So let's go through who is finishing. We're going to go for, start from the top and work our way down. Who finishes in first place this year? Okay, who finishes in first place of the Metropolitan Division? Uh, I, I've i seen some people put Carolina up there. I'm not so sure about that. They don't really have good goaltending. So I'm going to stick with the Washington Capitals. Yeah, I'm going to have to agree with you there. At this point, it's like you just got to wait for another one of the teams in the Metro to prove that they're going to be able to dethrone Washington. There's just a ton of talent on that roster. On, I was going to say on both sides of the ball. This is not uh, football. <laughs> on, you know, at, at goalie on defense and in that forward group, there's just they're a really talented team. I, I don't see how they don't finish first. Although, to be fair, their goaltending was voted... Uh, well, how do I say this? Uh, on the, the Hockey News' most recent edition, paper edition, they had Braden Holby ranked behind Thomas Grice. Really? Yeah. Yeah. I don't know if I agree so, with that, but... N- no, agree. And, and they don't have Kuznetsov for how long, right? He's suspended for a, a few games. So, like, that, that could hurt a little bit. Yeah, that's true, I guess. Um, But, yeah, they're, they're, they're just too good. It's just... It's theirs to lose at this point. And then it's entirely possible they do because they do have frailties. Like They're not a young team. Ovi's 34, uh, Backstrom's 31, Oshie's 32. Like These are guys on the decline, although like Alex Ovechkin, not really. Uh, they, it's If Kuznetsov can be the player he was last year and some, then it's going to be scary for, for the Metropolitan Division. But I'm not convinced that they can run away with the division. But they're definitely the best team at this point. If you had to put a point total on it, what are you going to say? They had 104 100. last year. 100. 100 on the nose? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Okay, I'm going to go 102. So a little bit higher than you, but a little bit less than last year. Fair enough. That's fair enough. Okay, so who is your second place team then in this division? Um, I'm going to go with the Pittsburgh Penguins. Okay. I think that they... It's... They've done it for how long now? They haven't missed the playoffs in what, like 15 years? Since I was born. That's not true, but I don't know. (laughs) It feels that way. Since I've been watching hockey, pretty much they've been in it every single year. Uh, But nonetheless, I I know they moved Phil Kessel. I don't know if that's going to be the best for them. I don't see them as a Stanley Cup contender, but I think they're a team that's going to finish in the high 90s, maybe I'll say 100 flat, just like last year, 100 points, and uh, finish in second place. I don't necessarily like the fact that they lost Phil Kessel because they brought in a guy like Alex Galchenyuk who I'm not convinced could could replace a Phil Kessel. He's he's a fine player, and I would not mind him in my top six, but to say that he will replace Phil Kessel, who was over a point per game, he, the potential is there, um, but he hasn't shown it in the one, two, three, four, five, six years in the NHL. So... All of a yeah. sudden, he's going to double his production? I don't think so. Doubt it. Um, I'm I'm going to actually go with the Carolina Hurricanes. I know I don't want them in my first okay. place, but they're just their forward line is really good. I really like the moves that they make. They brought in like some strong defensive uh, play in Joel Edmondson. It's not to say that Edmondson is going to change the game for them. He just solidifies what they already, what is already pretty solid for them. That's all he does. He's 26. He feels like he's 32. 
Um, but it just you, when you got a backline of Hamilton, Slave, and Gardner they brought in, uh, Brett Pesci, Edmondson, Van Riemsdyk, that's a pretty good, solid top six. And it's not to say that Edmondson's going to fit in the top four. He's a top six, like bottom six for sure. But that's a really darn good bottom six when you got Edmondson and, and Trevor Rams, Van Riemsdyk down there. Yeah, no, it absolutely is. And then their top six is Aho, Stahl, Teravine, and Niederreiter, Zingle. Svechnikov, I even forgot. Like, that's pretty good. That's a good, solid top six. Like, so the only thing that they don't have is is goaltending. That's the issue I have. But that's a that's a big issue. That's though. a big issue. But when you look at the rest of the Metropolitan Division, I, I'm not confident in, in Pittsburgh outside of Sidney Crosby and Evgeny Malkin. And then you got Philadelphia, who I, I don't necessarily know. And then Islanders, Devils, Jackets, Rangers. So, yeah, I'm putting Carolina, too, at like 98, 96 points. Not going to be a good year. Not going to be a great year for the Metro this year, I think. Okay. Uh, so in third, that's where I'm going to put Carolina. Okay. I'm going to put them at probably what I have Pittsburgh at 100. So I'll say about 98 points for Carolina. Like you mentioned, they are a very good quality defensive team. Like they have a ton of talent, even though they traded my guy, Justin Falk, <laughs> they still have a ton of talent on that blue line. Um, and offensively, that top six is as good as any in the NHL. I, absolutely. Just, just Sebastian Ajo alone. Look, that's an 80 plus point player right there. Teravine and, you know, 60, 70 points, right? Didn't he, didn't he put up like 70 points last year? I was just on their page. Why am I not seeing uh, right now? I, I'm going to guess 66. He scored 76 points. Okay, I was off by 10. That's fine. I was way off. That's fine. Um, but that that's pretty good production for <coughs> another player in your top six. You got Nino Niederreiter, who should be able to put up 60 points, no problem. Uh, Ryan Zingle, that's a 20-goal score. Andre Svechnikov is only getting better. He's 19 years old and had 37 points last year with 20 goals. That's right. So... They look pretty good up top. Yeah, I, I, that's fine if you put them at number three. Obviously, I put them at number two, whatever, splitting hairs. So who are you point. putting at three? I'm putting the Philadelphia Flyers at number three. Really? Yeah. Okay. I, that's a surprise. I me. just, I, I like, again, their top six is pretty good. Konechny, Van Riemsdyk. Hayes is an okay number two center. They're paying him way too much, but you know what? Whatever they're paying, what they're paying him doesn't matter if he's producing. Um, well, I guess it, it matters in the end. But if he puts up fifty points on their on their second line center, that's pretty good compared to what they had before. They still have got Nolan Patrick, who's still learning what to do. Uh, he's you know twenty one years old. Uh, Sean Couturier, amazing at four point three million dollars for the next three years at 26 years old and scored 76 points in the last two seasons. Pretty darn good right there. Uh, their defense is pretty good. It's young, Provorov, uh, Shane Gossespeher, pretty good guys. And then they got Carter Hart finally. They got a goalie. Philadelphia has a goalie. They've been missing a goalie since Ron Hextall. Yeah, that's very true. They have really struggle even the years where they were like a, a good playoff team they just could not figure out that goalie situation exactly so they seem to have pieces everywhere um they're not a complete team but they're they're pretty good they have a lot of good pieces i would be surprised if they don't make the playoffs but i'm putting him in third because I, I think that they're better than some of the teams in the metropolitan division namely the islanders who i haven't named yet okay so now I guess we'll go to fourth place where that's where I'm going to put the Islanders. Yes. I think that they are a wild card team. Mm-hmm. So, and most likely I think they'll play the uh, Washington. So the, the first wild card, not the second wild card. Absolutely. Um, I think they're going to regress. They had 103 points last year. I think they finished with, I'm going to say 97 as my official prediction. Okay. Um, Which that's a six point difference. I don't see it as like a 20-point difference. No. Some people are regressed. I don't think they regress that much. I think it's... I mean, because you look at the roster, it's it's very, very similar to what it was last year. Absolutely. And I'm not saying that everyone's... Like, Sezikis isn't going to put up 20 goals this year. I'd be absolutely stunned if he puts up 20 goals. No, you're absolutely right, but can Jordan Eberle hold the phone here for a second, put up... Hold the phone. I'm getting this. I'm getting this. Get a second. Um, score 32 goals? Or even thirty, because that's another ten, or that's another eleven goals, and he scored last year. Yeah, that's the you kind of steal my thunder a little bit. I think that 
those guys, like Anders Lee's going to get a little bit better this year. I think Epperly's going to be much better than what he was through a majority of last year. We know what he did in the playoffs, but in the regular season, he did not have a good regular season. I think Barzal increases in point. I don't know if he gets over a point per game, but I think he's going to be over 70 points, probably closer to 75. So uh, this is still a good fundamental defensive team. Potentially add in Noah Dobson in the mix too. I definitely think they're a playoff team and a, I'm going to put him in a wild card spot. I agree with everything you just said. I put him in fourth position. My points are probably less because I gave like what 96 a second place team. So yeah. let's give them like 94, something like that. Okay. Um, for all the reasons you just said, some of their players will regress. Casey Zika specifically, probably not mm-hmm. by a whole lot. Um, he could probably even get better if they put him in the third line, but that's not happening. Story for another day. Uh, Derek Broussard could do better than he had last year. Anthony Bovillia could be better or should be better. <laughs> the guys that you mentioned, Anders Lee, Jordan Eberle, Bart Matthew Barzal, should definitely be better next year. Uh, and then the power play can be better. How many games did they lose out because of the power play? And they still put up 103 points last year. Yeah, a ton. Right. A ton. And, and not, not just to say like power plays where they could have put up two goals on the power play and, and bid like a 30%. No, no, we're talking about like games where they had six power play opportunities and didn't score a goal and lost the game in overtime one nothing. I'm, I'm specifically talking about the Tampa Bay game where they, they brought it nothing nothing and they lost. I think it was even a shootout. I'm pretty sure you're right. It might have been a shootout. And I thought they had like five power play opportunities on the game. I'm going to bring it up because I, I need I need to know. But there was at least, I, I remember correctly, three games where they had upwards of at least five power play opportunities and they scored zero goals and lost the game by one point. Or sorry, by one goal. That's mind-numbing. It's mind-numbing. It is mind-numbing that a power play could be that bad. Like that's it, a game you should win. And we're, we're talking about three power play goals, right, in total. That's not going to change them. They're, they're not going to shoot up the, the, the power play standings. But if they score those three power play goals, we're talking at a potential another six points in the standings. That's a 109-point season. Yeah, now maybe you're looking at first place or... Yeah, you definitely win knows? the division at that point. You would think so. Uh, so the game was a shootout loss. It's February 1st. They had four power play opportunities and scored none against the Tampa Bay Lightning. They had 36 shots for, faced 41. So it was a good shooting game. Just Thomas Grice and Andre Vasilevsky were just out of their minds. They put on a shot. Uh, the one that had six power play opportunities and they didn't score was against the Rangers on January 12th. They lost the game 2-1 in regulation and didn't score a single power play oh, okay. point. I, I, that's coming back to me too now. Yeah. Six power play opportunities. They didn't score one. Unbelievable. No, that's uh, that's pretty rough. Yeah, so there's one. Uh, if, if that changes, that changes the entire two for the Islanders. So yeah, I think fourth place seems fair. Okay, so for my fifth place team, I am going to go with the uh, New Jersey Devils. Yes. I think they are a much improved team. Obviously, bring in P.K. Subban, and I really think he's going to do well in New Jersey. I think they're going to really love him. And this is a very talented team. You add Jack Hughes to the mix, too. You're probably going to get a, an improved year from uh, Hall. He was out for a good chunk of last year, too. So it, you assume that he's healthy. And this team is going to be in the mix for a wild card spot. I'll say they finish with 94 points. Sure. Something like that. I think what we're trying to, to illustrate here is that they're going to be neck and neck with the Islanders this year. We think. We also understand that the Islanders have a big gamut here. They could be a 100-point team because they, they, they get better where they weren't better last year, uh, and they maybe lose a little bit, but not enough to really kind of drastically alter their season. But they could also be this 94-point team quite easily, uh, and so could the Devils because of everything you just said, of all the pieces they added. <laughs> and they added everywhere, right? They added on defense. They added four. They added, like, their top six, they, they changed almost entirely. Half of their top six is brand new. Gusev... Jack Hughes, and who am I missing that they also brought in in terms of forward? Wayne Simmons. Wayne Simmons, yep. They, they changed their top six. They added a top a number one defenseman. The only thing they didn't do is add a goalie, although I'm sure they did because they lost Keith Kincaid last year. Yeah, it's... Uh, oh, God, I'm blanking out on it, but it's Corey Schneider, who I'll bring it up. has looked a little bit better in the preseason, by the way. Mackenzie Blackwood. 
I don't know anything about no, him. No, he's been with them for a little while, so they drafted him 42nd overall in 2015. Okay. So... Whatever two six one goals against average one a nine eighteen save percentage in twenty three games last year not too bad as a backup no not at all so um yeah so we we agree in, in between four and five uh, and I think we're we'll we'll probably agree the rest of the way or close to it well I not quite because uh well you'll see oh I'm right put obviously the, I haven't named the Penguins yet yeah and I haven't named the uh, Flyers yet so uh, here we go with. <laughs> Yeah, so nah, with my, uh, what are we up to, six? Yeah. Yeah, sixth place team, I'm going to go with uh, the Rangers. Wow. Wow. Okay, wow. Really? Wow. Right. I, I thought. Well, they finished in, they finished seventh last year. You add Capo Caco, second overall. You add Artemi Panarin, and you add Jacob Truba to that. I think that's a team that's going to finish probably 87 points, maybe. I, I don't doubt that they will be better because of the pieces they added. I just to be better than the Flyers. Whoa! All right. I don't. I don't think the Flyers get much better this year in the stand. Wow. Okay. F- fine. Eight. That, that, that's fine. It's entirely possible. Although, like, you know, I don't know. We'll see. We'll see. All right. Um, clearly, I have the Pittsburgh Penguins here. Uh, I really, I really think the Pittsburgh Penguins are bound to take a step back. It's not to say that Sidney Crosby and Evgeny Malkin won't be any good. They will be plenty good, but that's two guys. It's a team sport. It can't just run. Like we've seen the Edmonton Oilers run two guys, score 50 goals. And how many did, did Connor McDavid score? 30,000 goals. It still didn't work. You're not wrong. So... Jake Gensel's fine in the regular season, of course. Uh, he scored 40 goals last year, but he scored 40 goals only once. Can he do it again? Mm. The fact that they lost Phil Kessel and they brought in a lesser player really bothers me. They're paying Brandon Tanev $3.5 million until the sun explodes, which is ridiculous. I don't know what the hell is going on there. And then their back end does not look good. Eric Goodbranson and Jack Johnson are being paired up. That's a nightmare on the blue line. That, that just... Even if they're the number four, or sorry, five and six defensemen, that sounds awful. Your only, you know, standout defenseman is Chris Letang, and Justin Schultz is okay. Chris Letang is 32 years old. He's fine. He seems okay. But, you know, he's getting up there in age, and to rely on him as much as they're doing might not work for so long. And I think we're going to see the chinks in the armor. And we saw Matt Murray not, not have a fantastic season last year, right? Well, that's not... Yeah, uh, a 919 and 269. That's not too bad. I don't know. I'm I'm a little bit higher on Pittsburgh. That's kind of like, yeah, I just think until they prove it, I'm not going to pick against them. Fair enough. Uh, To me, it's not like a LeBron James situation, even though Sidney Crosby is is amazing, but it's not an individual sport. It's not like a Patriots situation either. They haven't, you know, stringed together six Stanley Cups in the last whatever amount of years, although it's easier to win a Super Bowl than it is to win a Stanley Cup. So definitely. Um I thought you'd disagree. I thought I'd get you to disagree there and get all mad or something. No, I think that no, I think the Stanley Cup is the hardest uh, trophy to win in sports. Absolutely agree. Um so all right, so that's number six. Who's your number seven? This is where I put the Flyers. Okay. That that makes sense based off how you've ranked everything. Uh I disagree. Like wholeheartedly, I, but like that's fine. That that's the fun of this. They were thirty-seven, thirty-seven, and eight last year. Finished with eighty-two points. I think that they maybe finish with eighty-five, something like that. A slight increase. I don't. I just really don't love that team. How do you feel about the fact that Alan Vino just doesn't miss the playoffs? I think at this point, I think Vigneault's a little overrated. Dude, too their coaching staff career. is Ali Vigneault, Mike Yo, and um, oh, what's his God? I see his face uh, from the Buffalo. He used to coach the Buffalo Sabers. Oh, why can't I think of his name? Don't know. God, it's not Darcy. It's uh, I keep thinking of his. It's bothering me a lot that I can't think of his name. Uh I'll get I'll get back to it. They have a very very experienced coaching staff, and I don't know. I, I to me that 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 that's why I place them so high as well. I think that that's going to help them get over the edge and finish seventh with the talent they have. You taking a risk, my friend? 
Well, there's a, a lot of teams with talent in the Metro. That's true. That is very true. I think it's going to be a tight division. It's not like I'm saying that they're dropping off and they're going to be a, you know, a bottom tier team. Like 85 points is still isn't awful. It's mediocre. I just don't think they increase as much. I think they're a little overrated. I have a hard time with that. I really have a hard time with them being overrated. Sorry, is Michel Terrien? I was thinking of and not um, the assistant <laughs> over in in, um, in New York. The Rangers coaching staff have the guy I was thinking of. Oh, Which is you still I still know. can't remember his name. I see his face. I see his face. I can't remember his name. Coach for Buffalo. He coached Buffalo forever. Then he went to Dallas for a little bit. Did do well there because no one seems to do well in Dallas. God, I... Oh. Why can't I... Recently? Sorry? Recently? Yeah, yeah. I'm going to look at it right now. What is his name? Ted Nolan? Lindy Ruff. There it is. Oh, okay. Sorry, Lindy Ruff. That's who I was thinking of for the Flyers, but it's not. It's Alan Vigneault, Mike Yo, who used to coach the St. Louis Blues before they won the Stanley Cup on a great look. Uh, also coached the Minnesota Wild, uh, but they also have Michel Terrier, who coached the Penguins, the Canadians, and, and anybody else under the sun. So, okay. So, anyways. Okay, uh, my number seven, then, is going to be the New York Rangers. So they finish in the same spot they yeah. did last. They have a terrific top line. They have a terrible everything else. But maybe not backup goalie. And, and number one defenseman. They have a really good number one defenseman in Jacob Truva. And outside of that, they're not great. You don't like Brady Shea? No, I do not like Brady Shea. I think he's a okay. jerk. Actually, I don't know that. I don't know him personally. He's probably a very nice guy. Um, He's a ranger, I, so I already hate him. Uh, but... Uh, no, like, I, look, Mark Stahl is 32 years old. We saw him the other day. He didn't look great. Of course, it's preseason, but he hasn't looked great in a long time. Brady Shea is fine. Uh, Brendan Smith is, eh, and Anthony D'Angelo. Adam Fox is the only other standout, uh, aside from Jacob Truba. And Adam Fox has played, uh, hold the phone, zero NHL games. Okay. I, I didn't say that. It's not like I said the Rangers were going to finish in the top four. I think I had them at six. I just don't. Which is one place ahead just of Just looking to, like, Dig him. Just pound him into the ground. Although I, right. I'm preaching to the choir here, right? So, Yeah, I, I'm not saying I'm not saying they're going to be fantastic. I just had him one spot ahead. <laughs> Fair enough. So we then both agree that the Columbus Blue Jackets will be at the bottom of the Metropolitan Division. Yeah, they had 98 points last year, but they lost a ton. <laughs> Artemi Panarin gone, Matt Duchesne gone, Sergei Bobrovsky gone. Um, Ryan Zingle. Zingle gone. And they brought Not in what, Gustav Nyquist? Yes. They brought in Gustav Nyquist and uh, uh, I feel like there's somebody else that I'm missing too. Who's the goalie they brought in? No one of any repute whatsoever. Let's bring Corpus Allo, isn't he their starter? Yeah. No, you're right. It is. I thought they brought in another goalie. I don't believe they did. They're relying on Jonas Corpus Allo. Uh, maybe <clears throat> this Elvis Merzlikens. Never heard of him. Oh, he's a Latvian goalie? He'll be all right. He'll stop like 50 shots in one game, and that's about it. Probably against the Islanders. <laughs> Whatever team has the most Canadians on it, he will stop 50 shots. Seems about yeah. right. But their back end for the Columbus Blue Jackets is fine. They, they still have Wierenski and Jones. Ryan Murray's okay in your top six. Um, is not too bad, again, in a top six situation, or like bottom six, I should say. But outside of that, it, it's their... They're fours that that worry me. Yes, they have Cam Atkinson, Nyquist, Felino, uh, Boone Jenner, and what's his name, Pierre Luc Dubois. Yep, but that's that's about it. Yeah, they don't have a ton of depth at the forward. Group. No, and they finished with how many points last year? And they 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 barely scraped in the playoffs with Panarin, Duchesne, and so on and so forth. <laughs> I have a hard time believing that they can be better this year. Yep, I'm. Right there with you. So that's all I've got. All right. So that is our Metro preview. Let us know what you think in the, I guess, and the, can you comment? on? You can comment on our Spreaker page. That's always fun to say. All right. So let's get into it, Mitch. Okay. Let's get to some trivia. So this is the Tony DeHart edition of the 
Eyes on Isles podcast, episode number 110. So, Matt, you have three questions. Let's start. First question. What position did Tony DeHart play? That's a defenseman name if I've ever heard you one. You are right. He was a defenseman. Uh, drafted out of the Oshawa Generals. Good job by you. That's uh, one for three. One for one, baby. Okay. Now, question number two. What was his highest caliber of play? And by that, I mean, what is the best league he ever played in? AHL. Correct. He played two games in the AHL. That was kind of easy. I was hoping you'd say, like, ECHL or something like that. Or the NHL. Like, he would have played once. But, nope. Never played in the NHL, by the way. Okay, two for two. There you go. Okay, what was his last stop? Question number three. What I mean by that is, where was the last place physically in the world that he played? I'm going to go Sweden. Incorrect. Italy. They have hockey. <laughs> yes, they have hockey in Italy. <laughs> the last team he played okay. for was in Italy. Let me get the name here. I don't have it open for some ridiculous reason. Tony DeHart stats. Let's bring it up here for the Elite Prospects page. He played for the God Ipan Apiano Italy. Um, that was the league. In he played 19 games, scored eight points, served 18 penalty minutes. In 2014-15, not a great look. <laughs> no, to be fair, he was a fifth round draft pick by the Islanders, right? So like, you're not looking for, or not looking, but you're not expecting for him to be an NHL regular, but. Yeah, to uh, Tony DeHart, if you're listening, I hope you're having a better time than you had with your NHL career. Yes, we know you're out there listening. So there you go. Uh, Mitch. Yes. So we got to get into the social segment. Uh, a few things. Yeah. I have a lot of things actually to talk. Okay, about. Okay, go for it. Take the lead, my friend. All right. So I'm going to start with a tip from Corey. He reached out to me on Facebook. So shout out to Corey. He listens at the gym. Ooh. He told me. So, the Athletic released their top 30 goalies for this season. Where do you think Varlamov is on this list? I already list? know. 17. Tied, he okay. was tied with Antti Ranta and just a, just below Jonathan Quick. Did you know Robin Leonard is not on this list? I didn't. I didn't look at the entire list. I stopped as soon as I saw uh, Varlamov. I noticed that Leonard wasn't there. But my mic stand is doing all kinds of crazy stuff right now. Um, but I, I I noticed that Robin wasn't in the top 17. He is not on the, uh, supposedly not in the top 30. Wow. Which I think is a major injustice to Robin. Well, Leonard. let's be honest. Robin Leonard had one good season. One great season. Sorry. One great season. The These lists aren't. Yeah, li- but if this is. Go ahead. No, I was going to say, this is like, is this based off of just last year or is it based over their careers? Like, what is it? So this is, the the, the title of the article is 2019-20 Goalie Tears, Anonymous Panel of GMs and Coaches Rates All 31 Starting Goalies. So if he's not supposed to be the starter, he's not going to be on there. Do they have Corey Crawford? I don't, I'm assuming so. I'm looking, yeah, they have Corey Crawford ranked 21. So they already don't rank uh, Robin Leonard as a starter. Which which makes sense, okay. but it, like like any GM will tell you in today's NHL you need two you need two essential starters. And the the Chicago Blackhawks have two. So then how does So Grice made this list and Varlamov made the list? But... Grice did not make this list. Okay. I think there was a miscommunication here because I thought um, Grice was on it too. But nonetheless, kind of, I don't know, that took me back a little bit that he wasn't mentioned. Well, yeah, well, it it makes sense, really. Corey Crawford is the starter, you would argue, um, unless they don't think that he can stay healthy, but already Robin Leonard isn't staying healthy. Um, But the fact that Sylvian Varlamov ranks 17, so right above Alec, right in the average, is perfect for the Islanders. 
That's that's exactly what they need. They don't need a guy to come in and be Carey Price and win the Vezina, although that would be great. They need a guy who can get them average goaltending, and it seems, based off of what GMs and coaches think, he can do that. Yeah. That's exactly what the Islanders need going into the season. A guy who can get them average goaltending, which is, you know, 9-12, 9-13. That's fine. That's fine. It's not 9-30, sorry, but like that's why we think the Islanders will aggress a little bit because they don't have the same goaltending. Although, who knows? He could put up a 9-20 goal uh, save percentage season again this year that he did a couple of years ago. Maybe. Yeah. Maybe he does. No. What, what else do you got? You said you had a, like a, a litany of social things to get out of the way. I do. So the next one's going to be a little bit of victory lap for okay. me. Okay. Um, so remember last week we talked about my conspiracy theory about ESPN radio? Yeah, no one was doubting you. I don't know. I don't think it was a conspiracy theory. I just think it was a a, a very good educated guess. Well, I was correct. Yes, you were. I was correct. Uh, it is not a paid advertisement on the boards. We found out that the Islanders will be playing some games on 1050 AM ESPN radio and even on the FM signal they have to 98.7 ESPN. This is good news for the Islanders because... That signal reaches a lot farther, and yes, I work in college radio, but I understand the importance of being on a radio station that reaches a bigger audience. Yes, I know a lot of people got got us that you can still get the Hofstra stream from the radio on the NHL app, and that's true, mm-hmm. but the people that, that the NHL are trying to reach are the 46-year-old <laughs> white kid, like white parents. Unfortunately, True. that's the NHL's, you know, bread and butter is 46 year old white men, which sucks. Um, if you're getting it from the app, they're not necessarily trying to target you with this move to 1050. No, they're trying to reach the parent in the car. Yeah, driving. exactly. If you're getting it through the app, great. Continue and preach, preach, preach. We need more fans. <laughs> we need. If you know someone who doesn't watch hockey or hasn't sat to watch hockey in, in a while. Show them the first game of the series between the uh, Vegas Golden Knights and Washington Capitals in the Stanley Cup Final. They'll love hockey all over again. Or the Jonathan yes, Tavares game. Jonathan. The John Tavares game. That's how much respect I have for him. I didn't even call him by his first full name or his, his actual name. What a jerk. I, I got one more for you, Ooh. Mitch. So the groundbreaking ceremony. Okay. Yeah. Um, one, it was a huge deal for the New York Islanders because they are the arena is it's happening. Remember, everyone's saying, I'll believe it when they have shovels on the ground. Well, that happened. Mm-hmm. And uh, not only was it a big day for the New York Islanders, but it was a big day for Matt O'Leary, too. <laughs> Why? Please tell us. Okay, so again, uh, last week we had a little radio slash Islanders collab in my life, and that happened again for the second week in a row. I was asked to go and cover i'm using cover loosely because i was more supervising the students they sent to cover it but i was there i put a shovel in the ground that was wild i so story behind that after they got like the picture of like the whole team doing it you know it starts to clear out people just formed the line got up there and started shuffling away so i was like yeah i'm gonna get a picture that's amazing content why not i love the idea of fans getting in line to be like we're doing this today right we're gonna build it today let's get it we're, we're gonna go chain gang guys come on let's go maybe not chain gang that's not the right word i should be using um oof, that was a bad term um let's get in a line and start digging this out ourselves there we go saved let's move on so don't worry about it so that happened and then Actually, I'd probably start from the beginning. So when we try, I was trying to get in and apparently the professor who set this up for us only put my name on the list at first. Wow. So I was going to be allowed in carrying all the equipment, but the two people I was with weren't. So I was arguing or politely stating my case for why all three of us should get in. And I ended up having to call the person, you know, on the phone. And at that, uh, Thomas Grice um, Adam Pellick and Scott Mayfield walk up and Thomas Grice is looking at me like yelling at one of my supervisors on the phone and then we make eye contact and I just go hey, what's up Thomas <laughs> and he's like hello and his, his accent <laughs> just like turns around but he like he acknowledged me you know he made eye contact with me and said hello 
And then finally, Sorry, I went back. Grayson to Grayson tried to bail you out, like he's been bailing out the Islanders the last couple of years. No, it, seems like that was right in his button. wheelhouse. It would have been. Uh, so finally, I go up and I show them like the email, the lady, the email trying to get in, and then at that, uh, Devontae's and Ross Johnson walk up, and this same woman who's giving me a hard time starts giving them to a hard time. <laughs> <laughs> she didn't realize who they were, and they're like last names. And then they're like, uh, Johnston and, and he's Taze. And I look at them. I'm like, really? And she goes, I don't see you on the media list. And they're like, uh, players. And they're like, oh, oh, yeah. Like, oh, you get the yellow bracelet. I'm Sorry. Like, what is happening? The six, four behemoth or like, what is he? Six, six behemoth, 230 pound guy. Yeah. He's media. Yeah. He's media. All right. Yeah. So <laughs> We ended up pretty much walking like in with them because we both got in at the same time and they had like someone escorting. But the three, like me and the two other guys I was with, ended up walking like pretty much to the ceremony with them, which was wild. Um, and then after I was uh, schmoozing up with uh, Lou Lamarillo. Yeah, I see that. Did you say anything to him aside from like, "Hey, Lou, thanks for doing this"? Uh, yeah, yeah, I did. I did. We uh, we made some headway on Josh O'Sang, explained what the situation okay. was. And, okay. Uh, did you trade Letty yet? Uh, he didn't necessarily say if he wanted to move Nick Letty. Uh, I don't know. He's not really an open yeah, book. He keeps his cards close to the chest. That man does. No, but in all seriousness, he was, he was a nice guy. I just shook his hand and, you know, that was pretty much the extent of it. But he was, you know, he was nice. He was friendly. So on a scale of one to 10, how high did you geek out? And like Islanders geek out, I mean, or fanboy out. Um, Internally a lot, but I don't think I like really showed it all too much. I don't know. Tell that to the Lou Lamarillo video. When you turn around and look at the camera, well, that that's a, a twelve on the O'Leary fanboy radar. Okay, but <laughs> yeah, how, how I would do the same. You, I would do the able, same. Yeah, I don't know what's better, that or the time where I saw Garth Snow hitting fly balls to his son. Do you know that? Story? No, I don't know that story. Go for it. Okay, so for on the podcast, this, this is a good story too. I know we're going a little bit long. It's fine. But, Story time. It's really up to you. Like you're the one who's got to get up early, and you're the one with the coarse throat. So, like, if you want to save it for another one and entice people to come back, that'd be great. I'm gonna keep going because okay. I haven't talked to anybody all day. I've been stuck in my Perfect. room. Perfect. So this is <laughs> so this is what happened. It was 2015, right after the 2014-15 season. I was playing summer baseball at a park. I can't remember which park it was, but the Islanders, one of the Islanders practice facilities, was over there. And uh, my coach is like, oh, you never guess who I saw. Like, who'd you see? He's like, Jack Capuano. He's in the parking lot. Like, Jack Capuano's in the parking lot. Okay. And then, like, I'm warming up and he calls me in. And I'm like, did I do something wrong? Like, am I not going to start the game? Like, what's happening here? He's like, look, over there, Capuano's back. You want to get a picture with him? Okay. So I give him my phone. I go over and he's like, hey. And he's like, hey, Jack, you mind taking a picture with this kid? He's a big Islander fan. So he was... I'll say it now. He's not a coach anymore. It doesn't matter. He was smoking a cigar. He wisely put it behind my back in the picture. So the cigar wasn't in the picture. Um, and then after I take the picture, I hear him go, oh, what's going on, Garth? And I turn around and Garth Snow is hitting fungos to his kids in the outfield. Fungos? Yeah, that's like you know, like fly balls. Like, sure. So like during, during warmups. And so realistically, what I witnessed was... Jack Capuano watching Garth Snow coach his son's team. Wow. That's wild. On a scale of 1 to 10, how oily was Jack Capuano's hair? Oh, very, very <laughs> oily. It looked like some... If it was like an Italian summer barbecue. That's really what it looked like he was dressed for. Yeah, like the flip-flops on, the shorts, and smoking the cigar. Like... He was ready to go. He was getting some sausage off the grill any second. On the beach, dadding it up, except not at all. Yeah, so that... That was a good one, but that Belmont experience surpassed it because that was uh, it was awesome for the Islanders, but just to, that whole situation was just wild. It, so. It's days like that that I really hate living all the way over here. You know, I, I'm at home. I could have, if I was in New York, driven down for the ceremony, although I would have known it was happening anyways. Uh, and I'd have been there, and I wasn't. I had to live vicariously through tweets, and it sucked. It was... It was a. Uh, it was nice. I don't want to rub it in. That's a historic much, event. I, I the fact that the Islanders are building their their brand new arena that they will live in for the next forty years is is amazing. It's a huge deal. So, uh, 
Uh, do you have anything for the social segment? I just completely do. Just you take segment. it, man. It's all you. Take a lap, buddy. All right. So that's going to do it for us for episode 110. Thank you so much for tuning in. I am going to do some plugs before we get out of here. I almost forgot. So wherever you're listening to this podcast, make sure to subscribe, rate, review, all that fun stuff. We really appreciate all the support. You could also follow along with us on Patreon. Like Mitch said, season's coming very soon. Five bucks a month gets you post-game shows for each and every Islanders game. You can also follow us on social media at Eyes on Isles FS on Twitter. I'm at Matt O'Leary NY. Mitch is at TLO Mitch. You can like our Facebook page, facebook.com slash Eyes on Isles. You can download our app, Eyes on Isles app, or visit the website, eyesonisles.com for all your New York Islanders needs. There you go. That was a lot to get out. So with that, that's going to do it for episode number 110. I'm Matt O'Leary. He's Mitch Anderson. Talk to you next time. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.